Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I ask that you forgive us of our sins, our iniquities, our transgressions, our shortcomings, Lord, those things that place a veil between you and us. I'm asking, Lord, that you can raise this group up, that we may be strong, that we have core members that are willing to do your word, Lord, not just talk, not just hear about it, that we may all become participants, that your word will dwell in us, Lord, through and through, and we may have the Holy Ghost, Lord, to be able to fulfill the mission. Lord, we want to be in you. We want you in us. And we know from there that our mission is over. So I'm asking, Lord, that this begins a journey. I'm asking that everything that we do here, everything that is said, will be done in righteousness, Lord, that will be said without error. For every spirit of error, every lying spirit, every foul spirit, every spirit of contention, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of jealousy, every spirit of just perversion, Lord, I'm asking that it be taken out of the way. I'm asking that it be bound, and we not utter a word, Lord, unless it comes from you. Give us all understanding to your word, and may it pierce us where we may need to, Lord, that we may clean up our lives and be vessels fit for the master to use. For you are the King of kings and Lord of lords, the only wise God worthy to be praised. In Jesus' name I pray, send the Holy Ghost, Lord. Let we feel the presence of God, and that we may from this point on, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be kind of interesting. Um, it's going to be on the giants in the Bible. Um, there were a lot of subjects that we would talk about that, you know, in some ways, one way or another goes right back to who the giants are. You know, um, we can't get past a lot of things unless we really examine these guys. For the simple fact that as I look in the Bible, I understand that they're responsible for just about every religion that there is in the world. Every religion that is outside of Jesus Christ, the giants have something to do with. Okay, Um, I've brought a couple of texts. Um, One is the book of Enoch. You know, I know how some people feel about that. Um, I'm like I said, I go for what matches with the word of God. I don't go with things that don't have anything to do with it. The disqualifier for me is if it doesn't relate to what the word of God says or bring any truth. So, um, you know, there's certain key things in here that I want to use. There are some things, too, like I try and encourage people, you know, know the Bible first before you even think about going into things. So the Holy Ghost can rightly divide what's real and what's not real. You know, when you hear like a false doctrine or something that isn't right, you ever notice you get like that little click, like something tells you, whoa, I was with him for a minute. But now when I hear this, uh, uh-uh, you know, this doesn't sound like anything that our God would be into. So, um, like I said, I've examined this book. You know, I would encourage everyone to look at it themselves. I'm not calling it scripture by any means. 
okay? I'm not calling it equal to the Bible, but what I will say is it sheds light on some things concerning the Bible because of the fact that, you know, um, the Bible says that there are certain things that should have been written about particular characters, like Enoch in particular, but um, I'm not into, you know, and I, that's why I encourage people to read the Bible first, because, you know, if you're not careful, then you'll get into the secrets of Enoch, you know, Enochian magic and all this other, hey, I'm not involved in any of that but the scriptures. But um, from what I understand in other books, uh, Enoch isn't the only one. There's going to be the book of Jasher and the book of Jubilees. The book of Jasher, the Lord speaks about. Okay, so um, what we want to go first is let's go into Joshua 10. taken away by the Catholic Church. Well, yeah. Because um, I've read briefly over that section, because I remember the first time I ever heard about this stuff, it was actually dealing with her. Like, right. You know, you said it yourself, you know, a lot of, you know, churches and stuff like that and all, a lot of religions, like, they pass mm-hmm. over the stuff like it wasn't relevant. Right. Or they took it out for whatever reason, but it's like, well, if it was in there, then it had to have been relevant for some reason. Absolutely. Well, the Bible also says, I'm going to make these um, points quick here, and then I'm going to go into um, other things concerning it before we get in, because I want people to understand where I'm coming from. Um, It's Joshua 10, verse 13. You need a Bible? Oh, okay, Okay, cool. No, no problem. Okay, everybody there? Joshua 10, verse 13. Now, this is a battle between uh, the Amorites and Joshua. I think we talked about this several times, but it says, And the sun stood still, and the moon stayed, until the people had avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? This is a question. So this is clear that the Bible is saying that the question was asked is almost as if the people were supposed to know what the book of Jasher was. The book of Jasher means book of the upright one. It means nothing more than that. But I believe that it was a history that they knew things even before Moses's time. And why I say that is, is because when you go into um, the fact that Moses wrote Genesis. Now, Genesis is 2000 years before Moses. Okay, I mean, just let's just get make that clear that when Noah was around, I mean, then you had Abraham's time. Moses was probably maybe what, 800 years or maybe 500 years before Moses's time came around. So Moses, when he wrote this book, of course, he was inspired by the Holy Ghost, but he was also getting knowledge that was pushed down from Abraham, you know, um, you know, and Abraham and others, because how do you know this stuff so sharp and so clear? Yes, the Holy Ghost can give it to you, but it's also, he's speaking of a time way before his. Okay, so I just wanted to prove that the Bible talks about the book of Jasher there. Let's go to um, 2 Samuel 1. What's that? It looked like that would be uh, for historical purposes to kind of fill in Absolutely. Yeah, for those people? Right. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. Just, well, just, just for clarification you purposes. Got, uh, you got the, the, the books that are in the Bible. Mm-hmm. We're all... 
Absolutely. Anything besides that, historical books that can add to certain stories. Can I get it? So, is it getting to do with the Giants or whatever? I guess it's somewhere. Right. Right, so since it's not actually the Word of God. No, it's not Scripture. It's not Scripture, but what I'm saying is it was a history book for the Israelites. And we know this when we go into Second uh, Samuel uh, one eighteen. Everybody there? Okay. It says also he bade them uh, teach the children of Judah to use um, of a, of the bow. Behold, is it is written in the book of Jasher. So you know that the book of Jasher itself it's not a misprint. The Bible says out of the mouth of two witnesses or two or three witnesses let everything be established. So here the book of Jasher is, it's written twice, okay, so it's not a misprint. But they're still asking the question and telling people that this information that you're seeking, that we're speaking about on this day, was written in the book of Jasher. Now, you know, during Samuel's time, Moses and those guys were already dead. But during Joshua's time, Moses just died. So what Joshua is talking about was a history from the beginning that contained certain things. One thing I understand about reading the book of Jasher myself is that it brings more light into what was going on. Like the Bible went into stories on what actually happened in the Bible, but the book of Jasher will tell you who certain individuals in the Bible were. Okay, so it wasn't a book to say, well, this is equal to the word of God. No, but it was a history of things that were written down even before. Okay, so let's go to... um, I just want to make these points real quick. Let's go to Hebrews 5. Uh, the, the notes on this right here are saying that the book of Jasher, an early account of Israel's wars, perhaps all in poetic So it would be a good historical Absolutely, but I would never, ever, ever call it scripture. Hebrews 5. Yeah, trust me. um, I've looked a lot of stuff over, and I'm like, you know, there's some things that just don't. The Bible, even with it telling us everything, that it's. uh, and, And, you know, I'm not saying that you need these books to be able to be saved. Okay, and I'm not saying these books are so important. It's actually 11.5, sorry. But, you know, that these books are so important. But what I'm saying is if you want to have a deeper understanding to some of the things written, there's things that the Bible doesn't cover. You know, I'll give you an example about you weren't here that week that we discussed it, but we spoke about um, Revelation 9 when we talked about that there were four angels bound in the river Euphrates that was supposed to come out. Now, my question to everyone is, who were these angels? You know, you don't hear anything about them except that they're going to be resurrected. All you get in the Bible is Genesis 6, when it says that men went down and made it with earth women and did that. But then you go into um, the next thing as Peter talks about the angels that sinned. Okay, so what sinned? What did they do? Now, we know that they came down, but where is there any record of them being bound by God? You know, then you go into uh, Jude 1.6, and they talk about the angels left their first estate, but they were bound in chains of darkness to the coming of the great day. What judgment? 
What day is this? The Book of Enoch, the Book of Jasher, and the Book of Jubilees actually sheds knowledge on a lot of the stuff that's going on. Now, is it important that we know who the two angels, the four angels are? No. But if you want to have an understanding as to what some of those things are, there are books that explain it. Now, I do believe that there are parts of the Book of Enoch. I believe it was a real account of real understanding of the scriptures. But I also believe that, you know, just like there are Bible versions that have been corrupted, I believe that some of the Book of Enoch, you know, some of the things that they put in there have been corrupted. So I will never say that this book is just valid when people have tried to taint the Bible itself, you know, and have done certain things to it. Now, I'm not saying the Word of God is corrupted, but what I will say is there are certain Bible versions that are totally um, wrong. What, 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 what version Bible do you guys read from? Because I just want to prove a point. You got the NIV? All right, let's go to um, Acts 8.37. I just want to prove a point. Yeah, Acts 8.37. You guys there? You want to read it for us? Yeah, Acts 837. That doesn't exist. Yeah. Not your version. Exactly. But you want to know what it says in my version? I mean, matter of fact, read what you have from 36 to um, 38. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why should, why should I be baptized? And then it just goes into 38. And he gave... Okay, now this is what my version says. Uh, this is verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me uh, to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, and thy mayest. And he answered and said, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So if you notice in your Bible, he left out Jesus Christ. In other words, it's, well, just be baptized. You don't need to worry about that. Oh, you want to be baptized? Let's just jump in the water. So I look at certain Bibles. The ESV is that way. And there are others that are totally attacking Jesus Christ. But if we don't know those things, they'll try and play on that. There's other versions, too. I think it's uh, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, John 3.16, compare uh, King James and NIV, and there's a big difference. Oh, I didn't even know that. But, yeah, if you, I mean, and we're not going to, you know, debunk Bibles tonight and everything. And I know y'all are just hearing about this for the first time, and I didn't know about that until I started coming to, you know, a couple of these Bible studies. Honestly, I don't think that some people are actually trying to be malicious about it. But well, that's where we disagree. I well, mean, because how do you forget well, Jesus, well, but I'm, you remember everything else? But go ahead. I'm well, what sorry. I'm saying is they maybe over the years they just didn't think it was going to be as important, and some of them might have even completely forgotten all about them, you know, some of that stuff. The know. reason why so, I can't – I understand where you're coming right. from, but the reason why I can't go with that is because Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith. It all goes back to him. So if he's left out, 
You know, that just seems kind of funny to me because how do you have Christianity without Christ? Right. You know, how do you, how do you bring people? So, uh, you know, the whole point wasn't to try and, like, get people to. That was going to be in a later study. We were going to talk about Bible versions and things. I'm glad Mikkel brought that out. But the right. thing is, is that there are so many mistakes in these Bibles that are not the King James. And these people knew it. And they, they really tried to get people on board with other doctrine. So, you know, that's just something that we can um, talk about in the later study. You know, every single one of them that I've ever read and looked into, they've all have something, even the new King James, compared to the King James Bible. Now, I know people hate the Quaker English, and the excuse that they try and use to tell people is, this Bible is okay, you know, it's just, you know, we just want to make people understand it easier. No one speaks this way anymore. If that was all it was... I wouldn't even bring this up. But right. the fact is, is that there are many missing Bible. Oh, man. Man, we got to have a whole study on that one day. I can even yeah. send a video, but. That, oh, sorry to interrupt you. That book that Laura let me borrow, Weigh the Evidence. Uh-huh. If you guys can look it up, it's called Weigh the Evidence. I don't know if you can look it up online. It actually compares all the different Bible versions. NIV, ASV, ESV, New uh, the NSAB. NSA, you know how they change their names and stuff like that. You guys can like get a copy of that book and actually does. And the point I was making is why I brought it up is because I know that the Book of Enoch, except for certain things, has been messed with. You know, if they can mess with God's word or try to, even though there are some versions that were preserved, thank the Lord. You know, if they can mess with that, then I know that there's things in here that I'm not going to call scripture. But there are some key things that only the book of Enoch explains that no other thing would be. Like, where do demons come from? Anybody ever answer that question? Does the Bible ever even tell you where they come from? The book of Enoch does. So, you know, we're going to cover things like that in this study, you know, and um, get this clear. So let's go to uh, Hebrews 5 again. I mean, Hebrews 11.5. I'm about to take you guys right back to the wrong one. All right. That's right. That's right. And it took about seven years. And that's why the King James Bible, they didn't even want the Textus Receptus, which is what the New Testament Greek was of, the Koine um, Greek and the uh, Aramaic. They, they tried to kill all those guys like Wycliffe and all the others and Luther, those who were trying to preserve the word. And they wanted everyone to read from the Latin Vulgate. Well, where the new modern Bible versions come from is the Codex Vaticanus and Codex Sinaiticus, which they claim are older texts, but they're not. You know, but that's where all the modern Bible versions come from. The King James Bible comes from the Textus Receptus, which is, you know, equivalent to the Greek Septuagint that they read from around the time that Christ was walking around. So it runs closest with the Hebrew. There are some things in the Hebrew that are slightly different. But the King James brings up the closest translation. It took about seven years for this to be done. And they killed King James after he, um, after all that. So they wanted to kill God's word. And in the front of every King James Bible, King James tells everyone why he had this version preserved. Because he knew that they would try and take the word away. Okay, but... Um, exactly. Yeah, you know that number 72 is highly occult. 
highly satanic. The Muslims, they believe when they die for their martyr, you know, their, their martyr, um, martyrdom, what their thing is is they'll meet with 72 virgins. You know, um, in the spirit world, you know that there are 72 Goetia demons. There are 72 ionospheric heaters that they have. Like people talk about the harp system. I'm sure you guys have heard of that. The harp system that's in Gakona, Alaska, that's only one of 72. Okay, so the number 72, every song that is not really a Christian song or a godly song has 72 beats per minute. You guys can calculate this yourselves, but this is why people hear certain music and you just can't get it out of your head. That's another study, but, you know, there's a lot of um, hip, hey, there's a lot of power in what these people do, and they, they are aware that numbers mean certain things. Okay, uh, Hebrews 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him uh, for before the translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What testimony of Enoch are they speaking of? Enoch had a testimony. All we hear in Genesis 5 is that he was good and the Lord took him. That was it. Okay. Um, God had translated him for before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased the Lord. So, you know, in some ways, it's just like um, there should be something written about Enoch if he was this great. I think they're just talking about like um, before he was translated, that there were testimonies and things that he'd done. If you look in Jude 1, 6, they talk about well, 1, uh, 14. They say that Enoch came with 10,000. The Lord, no, he prophesied that the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints. Now, where is that in scripture anywhere? But the Bible is telling you that Enoch said this. Where does it say that he said it? You know, let's go to Jude 1, one uh, 2. Oh, the reason why I'm going deep into this. Right. I looked up the word translated in the Greek. Yeah. Transposed two things, one of which is put in place of the other. To transfer, to change, to transfer oneself or suffer oneself to be transferred. Right. To go or pass over, to fall away. And the reason why I'm going here instead of right into the study, I want you guys to understand where I'm coming from. I don't want to be looked at as, oh, okay, he waited to the eighth study to show that he was a heretic. You know, so that's his plan. Pull everybody away from the Bible. No. You know, I mean, these things I look up myself. So we're in Jude 1.14. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these saying, of these saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of his saints. Now, can anybody find in the Bible where, G, where um, he said that? You see, this is the thing. It's like, you know, the, these books will bring light to certain things that were not there. So um, I want to go to, let's just uh, go to Genesis 6, and we'll go into the study from there. But I just want to make this point with everyone. I am not trying to teach false doctrine. I fear the Lord way too much to try and uh, pull that off, okay? <laughs> I don't want people saying, you know, there's a reason why um, these books were kept from us because, you see, they've been talking about for some time that these are the sons of Seth when you mention sons of God, which the word is benai Elohim. Now, when you go into the New Testament, the word sons of God is speaking of men. 
But when you go into the Old Testament, every time sons of God is used, it refers to angels. Okay, so we'll start at verse 1, um, Genesis 6, verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. Now we know that we're capped out at about eighty and one hundred and twenty years now that we lived. So when God's spirit was with man, he lived much longer than he does now. Verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, that the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, that they bear children to them. The same became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown. That mighty men, men of renown, that's speaking of famous men, heroes. Um, I later learned that it had more to do with what we talked about in Greek mythology. What, what people would tell you was mythology was once a reality when it came to uh, human hybrid beings, you know, part angel and part man. And, you know, there are cultures all over the world that will show you signs of these things. I remember even looking over some of the old hieroglyphics of the Egyptians, and they would show you a man on his knees with a crocodile head. And I'm like, okay, what's this all about? You know, but they would always, um, you know, have stories of how Zeus and Neptune, the god of the sea, and all these characters. Now, you mean to say someone had nothing else better to do but just spread tall tales? The Bible will tell you here, they became mighty men which were of old, men of renown. Okay, so um, from this, I want to prove the validity in Enoch where he talks about this particular thing. So... I know you guys can't read along with me. I wish I had brought other books. But uh, let's go to, well, I'm going to go to Enoch. And this, this part that I'm reading here is not exactly Enoch. It's a fragment from the book of Noah. Now, did Noah have a book? Not, I don't know, but you guys listen to this, and you can all have your opinions on it, like what you think afterwards. Now, this is chapter 6 in the book of Enoch. It's supposed to be a fragment from the book of Noah. And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children. And Simjaza, who was their leader, this is one of the names of the angels, said unto them, I fear ye will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us swear on oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations um, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. One thing to understand about the word Hermon that they talk about, it means a place of sanctuary, but it's also like a place of agreement. Isn't it funny how when we look at Mount Hermon today that this is, um, you know, it's still named Mount Hermon. 
And this is a place that Jesus is actually going to come back at the end of time. Mount Hermon is none other than Mount Zion. Okay, that's something in a later study. Okay, so uh, uh, let's see. I'll read in uh, verse 7. And these are the names of their leaders. Simjaza, their leader. Arakiba, Ramel, Kokobel, Tamel, <laughs> Ramel. They sound like Ninja Turtles, I know. <laughs> Donnell, Ezekiel, Baraquiel, Asel, Amaros, and, uh, well, that's, you know, that's some of them. But they were the chiefs of the tents, chapter 7. And all others together with them took unto them wives, if each chose for himself one, and they, and they began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. One thing you got to understand about why angels mostly have the word L at the end, that was like their name had something to do with like a son of God. That L means God. When you look at Michael, he that is like God. Gabriel, power of God. You know, so when you see L at the end of a lot of those names, those were names in the Hebrew that God, um, they were the sons of God. So you'll find a lot of names that will have that L at the end. Okay, uh, they defiled themselves. Verse 2, and they taught them charms and enchantments and the cutting of roots. Now, cutting of roots is basically teaching people... Um, you know, how to use things like drugs and spells and stuff like that with plants and um, made them acquainted with herbs. Now, you know, those herbs, they might have certain healing on them, but, you know, some people probably did those drugs back then, too. Okay, um, acquainted with herbs. And they became pregnant and they bore great giants whose height was 3,000 L's. Now, when you look at an L, an L is none other than like a cubit. A 3,000 L's would be 300 cubits or 450 feet. And the funny thing about that is that's about the height of the ark. I mean, that's about the length of the ark was 450 feet. Mm -hmm. The thing to understand about this is, you know, where a lot of people looked at there was no such thing as giants, there were myths of giants all over the world, what they call myths. And I'll tell you, the Smithsonian, if you guys can look this up, they had lots of bones and things that they had found and told people, Make sure that, you know, if anyone sees these, we'll just list them as Native Americans. Because there was even a such thing as giant Native Americans at certain points. You know, the Tanaka Indian tribe was one of them. Okay, so, um, okay, they bored uh, giants whose height was 3,000 L's, who consumed all the acquisitions of men. So they ate all the food. And when men could no longer sustain them, the giants turned against them and devoured mankind. And they began to sin against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink the blood. Now, this will tell you where vampirism even came in, where man got the idea to be become cannibalistic. You know, when you look at the fact that um, when they say sinned against birds and beasts and reptiles, that word sin is a very broad word. But I want you guys to think about what appetite some human beings have for certain animals. Now, you got to ask yourself, where did that come from? You think somebody got drunk one day and just decided to lie with the sheep like he lied with a man? You know, you guys think about that one. Where did that appetite come from? And if anybody wants to know any validity to this, all that's being said, isn't it funny how when you go into Leviticus, after the time when Moses took over, the Lord laid down these exact same rules of what not to do. Now, these are things that you and I would never think of. But where did the idea come from for the Lord to say, you're not supposed to have the blood of any animal in your food? 
You're not supposed to lie with the man like you lie with the beast. You're not supposed to be homosexual. You're not supposed to do these things. You think about that. How could Leviticus come to be? And this was the time of Noah, the time of Jared, the time of all these things. Why would God just say that as if there was, it was almost like if there was no truth behind this, then why would God even tempt you by telling you what not to do? In your subconscious, you would look at it like, well, you know, I, well, I would never think of lying with a sheep. This is ridiculous, Lord. But the Lord knew at one point when the angels fell, this is what was going on. Okay, so when they sinned against the birds and the beast and things like that, this is what they were speaking of. Okay, um, let's see, and drink the blood, six. And the earth laid uh, accusation against the lawless ones. And Azazel, which is one of the angels, taught to make taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals of the earth and the art of working them and bracelets and ornaments and the use of, um, let's see, oh, antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones and the coloring, you know, of tinctures. So you think about that, the beautifying of the eyelids. What's interesting about that is that they mention in here that it had something to do with luring men into lust. Now, we all know women look different when they have makeup on and when they don't. Mm -hmm. and, and you know what it does to you spiritually or psychologically or emotionally. Man, she's beautiful, you know, and everything. So, you know, now where did men learn to color the eyelids? But they got million-dollar businesses on this stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying it's bad to do it. I'm just saying that you got to ask yourself, if this isn't valid, and the Bible doesn't speak of some of this except in Leviticus, then how is it possible that these things can be done? You ask yourself, how is it possible that these things are here? Okay, so um, Azazel taught men how to make swords. There's no record of men making swords. You know, the scientific view would be to tell you, well, man started using stones to cut his food, and then after that, he realized steel was much better. You think that was the reason? Exactly, and these are things that they still use today. So remember, after the tree of knowledge and good and evil, look at where the knowledge came from. You know, it came from the enemy. Not that God couldn't teach man how to do it, but, you know, these fallen angels, we always hear of fallen angels in the Bible. Okay, they fell. They made it with earth women. Guess what? We don't see any giants around now. So what? There's a lasting effect of that time and what the giants did that the Bible and other biblical, extra-biblical texts are trying to show people, you know, to where this um, great sin came to be. Okay, um, verse 2. Uh, yeah, and there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and many were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. Some jars are taught enchantments, you know, how to hypnotize, the cutting of roots, you know, how to lay spells. Amoros resolved... Um, of the resolving of enchantment, so he taught how to take it off. You know, uh, some taught astrology, others taught constellations, others um, the knowledge of the clouds, you know, and um, a lot of people, like when they do cloud reading and things like that, this is what they're talking about. Uh, some sort of taught the signs of the earth, others taught the signs of the sun, others taught the course of the moon. And as men perished, they cried, and their cry went up into heaven. So this is similar to what we were talking about when all these things began to happen 
and the angels had taken over. This is very much like Genesis 6. If you guys read Genesis, you guys read it over, this is where it comes from. So when all this going on, this is chapter 9 where it says, And Michael, Uriel, Raphael, and Gabriel looked down from heaven and saw much blood being shed upon the earth and all lawless, lawlessness being wrought upon the earth. Now, I don't know about a Uriel. I know Raphael is in the Apocrypha, you know, Apocryphal text. I never heard of a Uriel. Does that mean Uriel doesn't exist? You know, there's a possibility. Now, you know that the Bible had, the Lord talked about 10,000 of his angels and, and saints that he could have called. Now, we only know the names of three. We know Lucifer, we know Michael, and we know Gabriel. Obviously, there had to be more, or, you know, how could there be 10,000? So you know that these weren't the only angels in heaven. Was Uriel the proper name here? I don't know. I'm not really debating that, but I'm just telling you, like, you know. So anyway, they came down and saw the earth. Uh, this is verse 2 of chapter 9. And they said one to another, the earth made without inhabitant cries the voice of their crying up to the gates of heaven. And now to you, the holy ones of heaven, the souls of men, make their suit, saying, bring our cause before the Most High. So this is a part where, um, you know, they reported back what they saw. I don't really want to go that far into this, because I really want to touch on some other things. But notice how the book of Enoch in verse 4 calls um, the Lord. It says, and they said to the Lord of the ages, Lord of lords, God of gods, King of kings, and God of the ages, the throne of thy glory standeth unto all the generations of the ages, and thy name holy and glorious and blessed unto all the ages. Now, if someone would say, okay, they're calling him the God of the ages. That's false. But you go into uh, Daniel 7, and it talks about the Ancient of Days, who's talking about God the Father. So, you know, this isn't something where, you know, it's so outside of it. And I, like I said, I'm not expecting you guys to believe me in what's written here. What I'm telling you is how I was able to link certain things with the Word of God, because there are places in the Bible where the Word of God doesn't speak about it. It'll tell you certain things, but then, you know, I happen to understand that I believe that these books, they all knew of. I believe that these people knew the accounts of Enoch. Enoch was related to Noah. You don't think Noah knew something about Enoch? Don't you know things about your grandparents or great-grandparents? Don't you know certain things? So I'm just saying, like, this information was passed down. Now, I know a lot of churches will tell you this is a heretical book. Now, this is the fragment of Noah that I'm reading, the whole book of Enoch. I don't know about a lot of that stuff, you know, that I read, because it doesn't link up with the Bible. But these things here... They tend to lay out with scripture. Okay, so long story short here, I don't want to go too deep. The Lord sent these angels, Raphael, Gabriel, Michael, and Uriel, to grab these angels and to bind them in the earth, cover them with rocks, do other things to them. The giants that they formed, the one of the curses that the Lord put on them was he said that the giants were supposed to he was going to put a spirit on them that they were going to kill each other in the earth. And the angels, because they were the parents of these giants, were going to have to watch this. You know, and no one wants to see their children killed. You know, even though they were fallen in nature, but this was one of the punishments. Now, some people would say, okay, now you got giants fighting each other. Haven't you guys ever heard of Clash of the Titans? The Greeks knew about this. There were others that knew about this stuff. 
You know, and, and if we're going to take the Bible at face value when it says that there were giants in the earth in those days and they became mighty men, which were of old, men of renown, and you go all through the scriptures, which we're going to cover a lot today, which shows that the Bible, the giants are all in the Bible. They created, they built the Temple of Solomon. But these are things that a lot of people don't know. You know, so. Um, Did the giants look sort of human? I believe so. I believe they, they looked a lot like Goliath, where the Bible says that, or his brother had six fingers, six toes, double sets of teeth. You know, I believe they look very much like Joel's army, which you read in Revelation 9. Hair like women, um, brass or gold breastplates. You know, um, a lot of people have found um, some of the, those giants in the world in copper armor and battle gear around the Serpent Mound and other areas in the Americas and all over. So they know that they existed. You know, so, um, yeah, long story short, the Lord bounds them. The giants kill each other off. The Lord tells them that the, he has no place for them because he didn't create them. So they became the evil spirits in the earth. Okay, so what I want to cover real quick here before we leave this, I believe it's 15. Enoch, exactly. This is how the demons came to be. Now, if anybody wants to believe, you know, otherwise, they're welcome to. But the question is, where do demons come from? I guess I always just figured that demons were just fallen angels. Um, they're different. Fallen angels themselves are angels. They have no reason to inhabit a body. An angel is about as free as you can be. They're metaphysical. They can appear, disappear. They can become things. They can change their looks. Although I believe the giants were metaphysical nightmares, they were also held on this earth. They were earth dwellers, which meant they couldn't fly. There were things that they couldn't do. Because, right, because Jesus says when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he walks around in dry places seeking rest, finding none. The Lord doesn't say they fly anywhere. So we know from that they're earth dwellers. Okay, but when people, all right, now here's what you'll read about the giants. This is uh, 15. And we'll lay it down. But it says, uh, let's see. Let's start at 15.5. Therefore have I given them wives also that they might impregnate them and beget children by them, that thus nothing uh, might be wanting of them on earth. But you were formerly spiritual, living in eternal life and immortal for all generations um, of the world. So this is the Lord judging the angels. Like, in other words, I gave them children and able to do things. They were able to procreate. Why? Because they were supposed to keep going until the end of the time of judgment, where the angels themselves were eternal beings. They weren't supposed to mate with humans. They knew the truth. They had eternal life. But, man, you know, once they lost that, it was different. Okay. Um, where am I? Okay, uh, six. But you were formerly spiritual, living in eternal life and immortal for all generations of the of the world, and therefore have not appointed wives for you, for as for the spiritual ones of the heaven, in heaven is their dwelling. And now the giants who are produced from the spirits, um or from the spirits and flesh shall be called evil spirits upon the earth, and on the earth shall be their dwelling. Evil spirits have proceeded from their bodies. Uh, because they were born from men and from the holy watchers, uh, which is the angels, uh, is their beginning and primal origin. 
they shall be evil spirits on earth, and evil spirits shall they be called. As it as for the spirits of heaven, in heaven shall there shall be their dwelling, but as for the spirits of the earth, which were born upon the earth, on the earth shall be their dwelling. So the Lord's making a distinction of what what spiritual um heavenly spirits, they'd be in the heavens, that the um evil spirits would be on the earth. Okay, uh verse ten. And the spirits of the giants afflict, oppress, destroy, attack, do battle, and work destruction on the earth, and cause trouble. They take no food, but nevertheless hunger and thirst, and cause offenses. If that is not the battle that we're having today, when you look at this world, if someone ever tells you to fast, the question would be, fast for what? What am I fasting for? But when you understand that inside of us, because some of us may have evil spirits or things that aren't right, that they take no food but always hunger. You know, this is why some people are become, you know, they eat more food than they can consume and there's no stopping them. They just eat and eat and eat themselves into bad health. And then you have those people that, you know, always drinking, always wanting, but they're never hungry. I mean, they never, um, their, their appetite is never full. So when you look at this, you know, they're pretty much speaking of the appetites of demons. Lust itself is the appetites of demons expressed through humans. A normal human doesn't lust. That's a, and then when it says they oppress, oppression is one of the influences that demons put on people. This is why when people commit sins, they can't stop. Every time you see an argument or a fight or something go on, there's an influence of demons involved in that. That's not just the flesh. The flesh itself doesn't obey. But to cause affliction or to do harm or to do battle, that is demonic, you know, influence. How do we know this? Look at the four horsemen of the apocalypse. What is that second horse supposed to do when he comes out to oppress? He's supposed to bring war all around the world, okay? So um, from here, we're going to go into the scriptures. Like I said, if anybody has questions on this, please, you know, ask so we can come to the bottom of it. Because I don't want to be misunderstood. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So these fallen angels we're talking about here, is that part of the same party that fell with Lucifer when he was kicked out of heaven? Or yes, he swept a third of the angels with exactly. him. Exactly. Absolutely. These guys are, are party to that third. Absolutely. And out. see, no one knows how that was exactly done. Now, let's just say Lucifer fell and he swept a third of the angels with him. With Did he angels? take them at that one moment? Because if you go into the book of Job, they actually speak about that when the angels of God, the sons of God came to the heavens to see the um, the Lord, they said Lucifer or Satan came with them. Okay, you can go to Job uh, 1 6, or is it 38? Job 1 6. Let's just go to Job 1 6 to clear this up. We might even have to have this study another time because I want to be, I think it's Job 38 too, right? Or Job 1. No, absolutely. But what I want to do is, I don't want anybody looking at me like, man. This guy is far out there. So I'm just going to like show you in the scriptures. Okay. Job 1 verse 6. Everybody there? Right, Job is right by Psalms. Right by Psalms in the middle of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, 1 6. It says, now there was a day 
When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them, and the Lord said unto Satan, now mind you, his name's not Lucifer here, okay? It's a distinction that the sons of God came to see. Now some people would say these were the sons of Seth. Okay, so where, does it, where is there a place where people present themselves before the Lord and Satan comes with him? So this is Satan in his negative, you know, he's no longer Lucifer here. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Like, where are you coming from, Satan? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. So Satan was still presenting himself. He still had passage into heaven here, you know, even though the angels of God would always go before the Lord at sundown. But this is a time where he's there, you know, bragging about the fact that he's been in the earth and he's been in, you know, and he's able to come into heaven. Now, the Lord is no longer, of course, they're not buddies here, but the point is, is that he, he had passage into the heavens. So could his influence upon them come around this time after he had already fallen? Because something tempted those angels. If you look in Enoch where they said, I fear that I may have to do this alone. So will you all consent with me to do it? Now, I think after Lucifer fell, Lucifer had a lot of fans. If he was able to sweep a third of the angels with him, then there were some that thought that he was right against God. You know, and that's something to think about. Because even if we were to say those weren't the original angels that were swept, then why after Lucifer had already fallen in Genesis 3, he tries to influence Adam and Eve. But then Genesis 6, it says um, the days came that these angels came down. Okay, so those are three chapters in difference. Did they fall with him immediately or did they come? Because remember, Genesis 3 was when Satan was already fallen, tempting even Adam. Right. You go to Genesis 6, these angels are coming down. So what's going on here? You know, maybe he did influence him if it says here that he had passage into the heavens. So basically so. what might be happening is they told us a third of his angels you know, went with him, but like you said, not all at the same time. They probably, they I think like when out of there, you know, few here, few there. Right. So, I mean, I don't want anyone to look at me as some type of heretic. I'm just saying that when you look at the scriptures, I know a lot of this stuff is tough to digest. For one, a lot of churches are not teaching people this stuff. They're not telling you. They want you to believe that these are the sons of Seth. So everybody can lay down and sleep and not have to worry about their nightmares. When Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. In order to understand what the days of Noah were like, we got to study Noah's time. What was going on there? Some people think it was just people getting drunk and acting up. That went on all through history. So there's nothing new there. People were getting drunk all the time. People were marrying, you know, all the stuff going on today. So, um, yeah, so from here, we'll go into the study. Yeah. I had a quick thought. Yeah. Um, also, just something, because it's possible that Job lived in the time of Genesis, isn't it possible that when he was doing this trafficking, it was in that time period? Very possible, because Job was around. A lot of people don't know this, but the very first recorded book of the Bible was in Genesis, even though the story in Genesis that happened first. But the book of Job was actually written before the book of Genesis. You know, because Job was around Abraham's time. I don't have time to really get into that today, but Job lived in the same town that Abraham lived in, was Uz or Ur or one of those, you know, towns. 
some of Yeah, we'll get into that later, but yeah. So um, right now, let's go into uh, let's go into Genesis ten. And one thing we got to understand too about um, Ham, Shem, and Japheth, um, Noah's three sons. It's funny when you look at their bloodlines. Um, you know, because the point is to show how these giants were around. You know, Genesis 6, it says that um, that in the days of Noah and after the flood, that, the, that these giants were around. It says around that time and after. Now, some people want to know, well, how did the giants make it to the, end of, on the other end of the flood? And this is what we're going to go into here in Genesis 10. Uh, let's go in, yeah. Let's go into Genesis 10, 8. Okay. Now this is um matter of fact, let's start from one guys. I'm sorry. Ten one. Because I want to go into the bloodlines of Noah's family and Noah's sons. And these are the generations of, of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And unto them were born um I mean were sons born after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, and Magog. You guys look up the name Magog, you know, you know that they were um London today celebrates every year uh, um, what is it uh, um, a parade because they believe that there were two giants named Gog and Magog that settled in the British Isles in ancient times. I'm not even kidding. You guys can look this up for yourselves. But they believe that Gog and Magog were the founders of what we see as you know Britannica or you know the the British Isles. Okay, now Magog that name is in, um, you know, Japheth's bloodline. So, um, you know, it's led to believe that there were giants in his, in his family. But we'll keep reading. And Meda and Javan and Tubal and Meshach uh, and all sorts of Goma, Ashkenaz. Now, that, you guys remember that name, Ashkenaz, you know, for another study. And Riphath and Tobareth. Okay, um, let's get down to, because that was just proven that Japheth had, like, Magog in his bloodline. Uh, let's go down to 6. And the sons of Ham, these are the sons of Ham, Cush, Misraim, that's Egypt. Then there's Put, and then there's Canaan. And the sons of Cush, Sheba, and Havilah, and <laughs> Sabta, and let's see, Ramah and Shabakah and the sons of Ramath, Sheba and Dedan. And Cush begat Nimrod. So now we're looking at Ham's bloodline. We're talking about an interesting character named Nimrod. Now, every account of Nimrod that I've ever seen, pictures of him shown, they'll show Nimrod picking up a lion like it's a cub, like it's a little kitten. If you go into other texts and things, um, the Bible talked about Nimrod, who began to be a mighty one in the earth. That word for mighty is the word gibor, okay, where um, it can mean two things. It can mean mighty man and can also mean giant. There are three words in the Bible that are for giant. One is Nephilim, which means fallen ones. The other is Rephaim, which was a tribe of giants, which uh, meant like, you know, those that are dead. 
And then there's gibberim, which means mighty ones. So, um, you know, I think you have to use that word in the text that it's actually being used. But for whatever reason, um, Nimrod created a lot of different things. Uh, you go to verse 9 and it says, He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Wherefore, it is said, even as Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. And the beginning of his kingdom was Babel, and Erech, and Akkad, and Kalnet, and out of, I mean, in, in the land of Shinar. Shinar and those areas are really like where Babylon is today, where the Tower of Babel was, where you would see modern-day Iraq. Then you go into, out of that land went forth Ashur and builded Nineveh. Now remember, Nineveh was a wicked city that um, Jonah had to go to and prophesy. But all of these cities, these great cities, were started by Nimrod. So this guy was like kind of like a leader of what you would call the old world order. Okay, he had many names because remember, at the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, they were all separated, they split. Remember when God confounded the tongues and they stopped the project of building the Tower of Babel, which a lot of people don't know if you look at where they said the Garden of Eden was between the Tigris and the Euphrates River. If you look at where the Tower of Babel was built, it was in a similar spot. Now, am I saying that that's what the goal was? I don't know, but I know that Nimrod was looking to go into a place whose top may reach into heaven. Now, what was he looking to go there for? I think he was trying to break the veil between what only the Lord is going to do concerning heaven and earth. So I believe, you know, this is what uh, went on there. Okay, so, I mean, we just got into that part of Nimrod. Let's go into, um, let's see... Uh, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I believe that I think they were. I think they were the giant because the giants were the influence behind all these things. Now, if you're part fallen angel, you're going to have an understanding that is outside of man. You're going to even though you are only a hybrid, but your mother and your, your fathers lived up there. You don't think that they spread some influence as to why we know? How do we understand some of the things of God? Because God managed to fellowship with man. This man was this book was written by the Holy Ghost, I mean, well, that inspired men. But when you look at it, we only have this knowledge because of the fact that the Holy Ghost, I mean, you know, the knowledge came from heaven. This isn't man's knowledge. And, and you know, the more you study man, the more you realize how dumb he actually was. I'm going to be realistic and say that, that, you know, there's every influence where you think these people are coming up with modern technology. This is rediscovered, repackaged information. And it all goes back to the fallen angels in Genesis 6 and Nimrod. Solomon says, what has the thing that is done is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. Well, he's absolutely right. History constantly repeats itself. You, we can't say that man was advanced because after this time, like Eric just mentioned in the Tower of Babel, we were down to nothing, okay? We were horse and buggy in Jesus' day, okay? Now, all the way up until the late 20th or halfway through the 20th century, and this was after the Roswell thing, which is another teaching. This was after Hitler and those guys talked about the Vril Society. See, some people think Hitler was like the top of his camp. The Vril Society... You guys can look this up. 
they were, um, what do you call it, those people that were into like spiritual knowledge and they were witches and warlocks and things like that. This is where they received their information. Psychics? Something like that. They would wear their hair real long and, you know, they ate certain food, very similar to what you see witches are like today. But this is where the knowledge was. The real society sat on top of Hitler's uh, world. Even um, Heinrich Hendler, he was a, a witch of a very high level. Yeah, see, so these are things that a lot of people don't know, that everything in the physical is affected by the spiritual. Now, people would look, Hitler's army was mighty because he wrote Mein Kampf, you know, My Struggle. Exactly. But they look at it like he wrote this and, you know, a bunch of Germans watched it and, yeah, you're right, we got to get these Jews. You know, let's stand up, let's be bold, and they all rush for, no, no, no. They were influenced by demonic spirits that told them everything that they needed to do to see the truth. And that war was um, orchestrated anyways. You know, everybody knows that. America funded that war. Hitler is related to the Bushes. Um, he's related to a lot of people. Actually, I meant to pass these out. These are things that I um, looked up concerning the, um, the family um, tree of the Bushes. You guys can actually look at this. The Bushes bloodline goes all the way back to, to Herod the Great from the Bible. And he went into, uh, and uh, what's his name? Philip of Macedonia, Alexander the Great's father. The Caesars themselves are related to the Bushes today, to the Rockefellers, to the Rothschilds. These guys are all related. So when people think that you elect your president, no, it's all bloodline based. They're all family. Okay, so, um, well, that's the family tree of the Bible. Actually, I meant to pass this on. Sorry, guys. But that's the bloodline of the Bible. You guys should keep that because we're going to go into some detailed stuff. But this will um, show you um, how the bloodlines go all the way down to, uh, to the bushes, all the way back to Philip of Macedonia. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say, yeah. No, save that. That's the genealogy of the Bible. So I'm a little off on that. But, uh, yeah, let's get back to the word. I want to also confirm that the... Um, you know, I don't know if anyone here doubts that the giants were once here. If so, we can actually um, prove it because Paul himself speaks about this. Okay, let's go to Numbers uh, thirteen twenty-eight. What was it? Uh, Numbers chapter thirteen, verse twenty-eight. Thirteen twenty-eight. I know, like I might be throwing a lot over people's heads, but you know, these giants were so influential in history. So they was uh, yeah. Was huge, right? You have to be like seven foot six or seven foot seven to actually build a And I bet you it was wide. It was 
like when you put it on? Because the taller those guys get, everybody thinks they're going to be long and skinny, but the taller they get, they get like this. I mean, they just they spread out from every account that I've ever seen, you know, with them. Okay, Numbers 13, 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, uh, and the cities are walled and very great. Now, that tells you right there. You know, you need big places to live for big people. Um, let's see. Um, are very great. Where am I? Okay, very great. And moreover, uh, we saw the children of Anak there. Now, the children of Anak were giants, and the Amalekites dwelled in the land of the south, and the Hittites, and the Jebusites, and the Amorites, and the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for they are stronger than we. I mean, are stronger, uh, let's see, than once and possess it. Oh, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report in the land which they had searched uh, unto the children of Israel, saying, uh, the land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw uh, were um, men of great stature. Now, isn't that funny how they're talking about here that the land that they went into eateth up the inhabitants? Where did we just hear that? Enoch says that when they could not sustain the people with food, that they eventually ate the people. Uh, verse 33 and there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come um, of the giants, and we were in their own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. So um, that point there, yeah, a lot of people would look at that they were small, you know, and they just think they were rich or powerful men. This is clearly speaking of giants. The funny thing about Anak, the sons of Anak, isn't it funny how today people talk a lot about the Anunnaki? those that don't go into the Bible, but they, you ever hear these people that are into the, um, the New Age stuff, and they'll tell you, oh, no, the Anunnaki, which means those who from the heavens came, they're supposed to come back and, you know, help mankind and check on their little project. But the sons of Anak are who they're, they're actually speaking of. Mm -hmm. The funny thing about the sons of Anak, they were known as Anakims. Anybody understand where that name is even seen in Hollywood? What was Darth Vader's name in those movies? Now, you think that's an accident? But see, they're trying to tell you so many things and one that a lot of people can't, you know, they, they just won't grasp. The grasshopper thing is interesting because that really puts it into perspective. How big they were. Like you were pointing out, even in there, mm -hmm. uh, 450 feet. 3,000L. And that was before the flood. After the flood, giants got much smaller. Because they even tell you here in Numbers 13, even the grapes that the men were carrying were huge. It took two men to carry a cluster of grapes. So everything after the flood, whether it's the atmosphere or what, things got smaller. Because, you know, around the time you get to Goliath, he was, what, 10, 13 feet? You know, and, and he wasn't too big, but compared to them. But if we saw him, you know, he'd be massive. And it's just how men even lived longer in that time before the flood. After the flood, they go from 900 years to somewhere around 400, 500 years. Then around Abraham's time, they go to about 175 to 200. Then by the time you get to Moses, it's like 80, 120, which is... Was well, actually, the firmament was broken. Well, the yeah. The, the original 
Yeah, they believe the firmament had, Ken Hovind talks a lot about that, that the firmament had something to do with the water falling or the atmosphere being different. I really can't prove that, you know, but um, that's what they claim the atmosphere is what brought that change. Now, let's go to Hebrews 3 real quick, because I want to lay down any doubt that some people would have concerning this. This is Paul speaking, so this is the New Testament. And, you know, even after what Paul said, people still won't believe. Hebrews 3.10. All right, everybody there? Jake almost? Yep. All right. Hebrews 3.10. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the, from the living God. And exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So, you know, this is talking about, I'll keep going, the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers in Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke, howbeit not all that came out of Egypt uh, by Moses, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it, not, was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not? So we, so we see that uh, they could not enter in because of unbelief. So this is going back to Numbers 13, you know, the, the story. Uh, the Israelites that refused to go in, they died in the wilderness because they saw the giants. The verse that we just read in Numbers 13:33, they refused to go in at the time when only Joshua and Caleb had the faith. So Paul here wrote, you know, a whole thing on unbelief by using Numbers 13 as saying they will not enter into my rest because of the fear that they had. So we know that the story of the giants is real if Paul is referencing it right here. Now, this is this is after Jesus, you know, that Paul is speaking of. So, uh, yeah, let's go to, let's see. Let's go to Deuteronomy 2, 2 But, you know, when I was talking about Ham and Shem and Japheth, you know, I have a little graft here. You guys actually have it in your, um, in the thing that I passed around. But, you know, it shows you from um, Japheth's bloodline, you know, I, all I see is Magog, you know, the evidence of giants. I didn't see any in Put's lineage, you know, but the sons of Ham that the Bible speaks about, there's um, Mitzrayim, which was, you know, the Egyptians. 
um, we'll get into a name called Kaftor, and he was the father of the Philistines. So he was known to be a giant. You go into Canaan, you know, which is um, Ham's bloodline, you hear of all these different groups. The Amalekites, you know, the Bible refers to them as dweller in a valley. That's what the Amalekites were. So they're saying dwellers. They don't even call them men. Okay, you go into the Jebusite. It talks about the third son of Canaan, Jebus, but they were like, um, you know, sons of Canaan. So remember, the Bible talked about the sons of Canaan, the sons of Anak. You go into the Hittite. They were also of the bloodline of Canaan. Then you go into the Amorite, which means a sayer, like one who would cast spells. You go into Anak, it means neck. You know, you go into a Canaanite, and the word means zealous. Like they were just, you know, all over the place, full of energy. The Anakims, sons of Anak, means long-necked. Now, they cannot be talking about human beings here. Anytime you hear these names, the name Emims, they were known as terrors. The Horites were known as cave dwellers. Okay, the Zamzumims were called plotters. They were ones who conspired to catch and kill and do things like that. So when you have all these crazy names like these particular groups, they're speaking of giants. They're not speaking of human tribes. And if you realize when you read from Numbers into Deuteronomy that the children of Israel were always at war with them, always at war with them. Okay, so um, back to um, Deuteronomy 2, verse 9. Because, you know, when you understand these names, I'm telling you, the Bible will come to life. Because you'll hear something about such and such, the Hittite did this, and the children of Israel were in trouble. And then you'll say, okay, who's a Hittite? So what? But then when you understand, wait a minute, this guy was of the tribe of giants or in that family, now it all makes sense as to what's going on here. Okay, so uh, 2 verse 9. Uh, and the Lord said unto me, Distress not the Moabites, neither contend with them in battle. Now, the Moabites, you know, are, are, they're not giants. They're actually related to, um, to um, the children of Israel, but they are like a cursed family. They were of the seed of Lot with his two daughters. When you hear of Ammonites and you hear of Moabites, they were the children that Lot had out after Sodom and Gomorrah that they got their father drunk and they slept with him. You know, that's disgusting, but... They had children unto them. So they were a family that was cast out. Okay. Uh, Neither contend with them in battle, for I will not give thee of their land for a possession, because I have given, I have given unto the children of Lot for a possession. The Emims dwelt there in times past, and people great and many and tall as the Anakims. So you have something here where they talk about the Anakims, which were the sons of um, Anak, you know, they were known to be giants, and now you know that the Emims are giants. Verse 11, which also were accounted giants as the Anakims, but the Moabites called them Emims. The Horims also dwelt in Seir before, but the children of Esau succeeded them. That's important, you guys remember that. When they had destroyed them from before them and dwelt in their stead, as Israel did unto the land his possession, uh, which the Lord gave um, unto him. So here they're making a comparison of other groups that you might have read about, talking about the Emams, the Horai, and all of them were known to be giants. So from here, let's go to, um, let's see, 219. Well, So we'll stay in the same book. 
2.19. Okay. And when thou comest nigh over the children of Ammon, distress them not, nor meddle with them. For I will not give thee um, of the land of my children of Ammon in possession, because I, get, I have given it unto the children of Lot for a possession. And also was accounted a land of giants. Giants dwelt therein in old time. And the Ammonites called them the Zamzumims. Now remember, the Zamzumims were known as the plotters that they're talking about in the Bible. Okay, uh, 21. A people, great and many, and tall as the Anakims. But the Lord destroyed them before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead. Okay, and he did to the children of Esau, which dwelt in Seir, when uh, he destroyed the Horems, which are the Horites which meant cave dweller, from before them, and they succeeded them and dwelt in their stead, even unto the day. And the Avims, uh, which dwelt in Hazarim, um, even uh, unto <laughs> Azar, the Kaphtarims, which came forth out of Kaptor, destroyeth them and dwelt in their stead. So what we understand here is, you know, Kaptor is the father of the Philistines, which meant that they were always in league with the giants. When you go into the Anakims, you notice they're comparing all these groups, even the Horai, to the to the um, the Anakims. I mean, the, the the sons of Anak. Now, when you look at it, you know from Deuteronomy twenty um, thirty one or thirty three or thirteen thirty three, but they talk about how tall they were. We were as grasshoppers in their sight. So you know from this that these giants were even around here. Now, a lot of people will read this, and you just look at them as just, oh, no, it's just a human tribe that was against the children of Israel. The Bible's not saying that. The Bible's calling them giants. Okay, so this is what we're breaking down before we get into the real good stuff. Uh, let's go to Deuteronomy 3. Anybody have any questions, anything they want to add? Because I'd rather, like, you know, get into that than, you know, just keep going. Oh, yeah. Just, they all varied in sizes and mm -hmm. heights, and, but sure. they were all bigger than all of us. Right. So the, the women were human? I'm so you mean like the giants? Oh, um, Genesis 6? How they came yeah. about in general. Well, the book of Jasher actually talks about that, how they um, appeared to their women again, and they claimed to be bigger <laughs> They were bigger, but they came, like, in greater form. Like, I look just like your husband, but I'm, a, I'm even better than him, you know, and this is how they came. But also, you know, you guys have to keep in mind, now, there was a time when people were afraid to hear about aliens, but now you got people that can't wait to see them come. Hmm. This is the type of mindset. Imagine having, being around these metaphysical beings, how everybody loves the supernatural. But just imagine you got giants and fallen angels doing works and miracles before people, making things easier. Now, all of a sudden, this person becomes a great influence. Man, can you do that trick again? Oh, can you make this happen? So they became what the Bible says when Jesus, when the Bible says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What other, these, these individuals became like gods. You know, and I, of course they raped women. You know, why wouldn't they? They were all powerful at that point. They were more powerful than men. You know, the giants, what happened when they couldn't sustain them with food? The giants ate the people, which showed you who ruled the roost 
at that time. So I believe that they even raped women. I believe that they, I don't think that the, when they said they sinned against the birds and all the different animals, now that, that can also mean mixing and splicing. I believe that that also went on. I believe they knew how to genetically modify creatures that you had these things that looked like a minotaur. This thing had the head of a bull and the body of a man. You know, those sorts of things because splicing is nothing new. If you look at splicing today, where'd they get that? That's repackaged information that goes back to Genesis 6. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think that the angels themselves, because remember, the Bible says, well, yeah, and I believe some of them just took the, pretty much, you know, I know that's hard to believe, but you got to think about this. Children come out like their fathers, looking like them usually, more so than their mothers. So they're going to have the attributes of their fathers. The mothers just have the egg. And like I said, you know, I'm not going to sit here and think like I can explain Oh, well, you know, when the Y chromosome was here and you have super fallen angel blood. No, I understand what you're saying, but I'm just saying that it's hard to believe. But remember, if the Bible says that Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light, if he's able to transform, then you don't think these angels had the same power to be able to become something? I mean, think about that one. They took control. This is what they speak about. So to answer your question, yes, the women were of normal size, but the giants or the, or the fallen angels, yeah, they resized themselves however they did it, and they produced giants. What's that? Right, but I mean the child could have, well, no one says what happened to the mother once the baby was born. I mean, I know that sounds crazy, but maybe there was a way that the child was human to a certain point, and then like just remember, um, what's his name? What's his name? Nimrod became a mighty one in the earth. You know, so maybe at some point their features is just like what humans do when they grow. A child may be really light skinned when it's born for three years of its life. And all of a sudden you start seeing the kid get dark. The hair even changes from blonde to, bl to dark brown. And you're like, well, what is this? Why didn't that happen when they were born? So I'm saying, and I'm not trying to give reasons, but I'm saying... There could have been a point where they eventually became more like giants. You know, I don't know if that makes sense, and I'm not acting like I have the answers. I wasn't there, <laughs> you know, but. I'm going to give birth to his kid, he's freaking big enough. Well, guarantee you. I can assure you by looking at him that your child will be over six feet. I can tell you that straight up. I mean, right. And you're not short for a woman. So it's like, you know, the, <laughs> that's how it is. Well, the other thing, too, is, I mean, look at some of these other, look at, I mean, some of the biggest people we know even now, they're over seven feet tall. Well, at one point in time, they were this big. Mm -hmm. But and if you notice when those, baby, right, but if you notice when those people get tall, they're just, you know, a little bit bigger than you. But these, these, if you guys would see these skeletons, I encourage everyone to look them up. Now, some are Photoshopped. I'll show you which ones those are. But there are actual ones where they were 36 feet long in the earth. There's a man standing there. I think they're in the, um, did you see them in the PowerPoint? In Sarah's um, thumb drive? Yeah, we had, uh, you seen them. Yeah, you were there at the conference. Jake was there at the conference. But they were huge. But the Smithsonian hides these things because they don't want people to see them. Why? Because if you see giants, what will you think of next? 
David and Goliath. Wait a minute. There's some well, truth here. It's exactly. What were you going to say? They just want to engineer the truth that they want to believe in rather than the one that really exists. Exactly. I mean, is that why, if this is so influential and so important, even within the you know the Christian community, I guess, so to speak, then why has it all been suppressed? Because they don't want people believing in the one true God. That is that is the truth. I mean, that's why. Yeah, seriously, because you know what? I'm going to have a test. Well, my testimony is it was this type of stuff that brought me back to the word of God. Believe it or not, when that ancient alien series came out, man, I ate that up. I was even against the Bible. Why? Because they were talking about stuff that I was interested in. What I was learning in my church was a bunch of, you know, like, what is this? All right. The same message for 30 years. You know, you can turn it off now. We get it. But when I got into um, a guy, Steve Quayle, and Steve Quayle began to talk about these giants, and he began to talk about the, the things that they're finding that archaeologists have found. People were killed for these bones in the Americas and all over the world. When I, when I learned that there were pyramids underwater around China and other areas around the Americas, I'm like, wow, there must have been some type of flood. How do you all of a sudden, now some people's excuse would be, well, the Ice Age. Why would they be sunken so far down and you got everything built way up here? That's that's impossible to believe. I believe that there was a flood because the Bible says it. So it was this type of stuff that brought me back. I later learned about, you know, how much I love the Lord and interrelationship. But when this guy was answering questions for me that I didn't understand, that made it all the more real. And I think that's what a lot of Christians are looking for is what's going to make this real to me? What makes this interesting to me? Yes, I know the Lord loves me. Everybody tells me. But what is it that applies to this, that, that this book has that applies to my everyday life? How do I debunk the things that atheists say to me? How do I debunk the things of other false religions that come against the word of God? This is when this book became interesting to me. Why? Because it was like, man, I get it. And when you start finding one thing, then all things start to come together. Now, I'm not saying be in it for this. I'm just saying this is what brought me back to the truth. This is what made me see the validity in the Bible. Yes, Jesus raised from the dead. If they found giants in the world, then you know that there's some Bible, some stories in the Bible that are true. So I can believe Jesus raised. I can believe he ascended. Why? Because the supernatural exists in the word of God. Does that make any sense? I mean, to anybody, are you guys like, well... Right. Now, check out what... Absolutely. Because how can you believe in all the things in the book of Revelation? The revelation of Jesus Christ, by the way. How can you believe all that stuff and you don't believe there were giants? I mean, that would just blow you away. You're going to be prepared to see angels come down to the earth? The Bible's talking about they're coming back. They open up the bottomless pit. They're going to cast spells on people and destroy people, nations. But we don't believe in Goliath. I mean, hey, that's like having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. How can you not believe the word of God? Exactly. Well, you know? like you can't believe part of it or choose the parts that you want to believe in. If this book is divinely written the way that we believe it is, then everything that it says is true. 
I mean, absolutely. Might be hard to grasp, but absolutely. Brandon, how do you grasp the fact that you know when angels appeared to people? It says in there they just well, appeared to them. Well, where did they come babysitter. from? What's that? I said, especially they didn't drive a car. He said, when they didn't have baby seals. Yeah. They didn't have jetpacks strapped to them. I mean, they just. Yeah, because Jesus says, pray that you be accounted worthy to escape all the things that are coming up on the earth. What is he talking about? If Jesus is speaking about hell, what is he talking about? The revelation of Jesus Christ said the abyss is going to be open and these things are going to come out. So you think Jesus, the teaching of Jesus is outside of this? He's telling you in the revelation of Jesus Christ that the abyss is going to be open, the bottomless pit, and there will come out the destroyer, Apollyon, Abaddon. You know, these things are going to have hair like women and they're going to have uh, teeth or face like lions and all these things. If we can't believe that, then, I mean, if we can't believe this, then how can we believe that? You think your mind is all of a sudden going to turn supernatural because you've seen it? Jesus says men's hearts are going to fail them for fear of the things that are coming up on the earth. Why? Because they are people that didn't want to know this. I ain't no giants. You got a carnal mind and you're expecting to see the Lord? You may pass out from fear and die of a heart attack because you don't... <laughs> exactly. That's right. That's exactly what CERN is for. With the Hadron Collider, they're going to split the atoms and they're going to open up these portals. They can already do it, guys. This is what's been going on. Now, I know this is a tough reality, but when you're spiritually minded, the Bible says the natural man can't receive this. But a spiritual mind, if you believe God, then you believe his word. You know, and that's what it boils down to. Absolutely. So, you know, there are some people that want to fight against this stuff, but if you don't even want to hear it, how do you fight against it? How do you believe you're going to be one of those people that are going to have a heart attack because you can't believe what you just saw? And that's what Hollywood does. Hollywood takes us away from reality. You believe what you saw on TV was a fantasy. That was the goal. You watch these horror movies so you'll be so afraid that you don't even want to think about that stuff. That was the goal. When there was a time in the spiritual world, these people saw miracles. This wasn't like something that would just make people run away. Some things, but, you know, people understood the spirit. They were more spiritually minded. Today, people are just, oh, man, that's, that's a movie. But that's what Hollywood conditioned you for, to make you believe that what was real is false. That's the only reason for a TV. It's not for your entertainment. If they're trying to kill us all, what makes you think they want to entertain you at night with TV? You think they care about people that much? Think about it. You think that they, you know what, even with the money, one thing John Todd said, those people have all the money that a person can have. They've got all the money. They don't need your money. They do it to put demonic influence in your life. That's the only reason for these records and albums and things that they cut. They don't need your money. They can print money out of thin air. They know where all the gold is. You know, so our little dollars, yeah, they'll take them, but they really don't mean a thing to them. What's that? No. No, they took that in 1913, 33, I believe. All right, so uh, Deuteronomy 3, after I ran my mouth and put everybody to sleep. Uh, 3, verse 11. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron, 
and it was not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon. Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. So this bed, okay, was, woo, probably like 13 feet. Because if you look at that, that'll be like a, 13 feet is like two six-foot men. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because it's 13 cubits. Now, how tall man was back then? A cubit is about a foot and a half. Right. So um, this, because he was um, nine cubits, that would be about 13 feet. So that's kind of like, um, you know, two six-foot men standing on top of each other. This is how big this guy's bed was. Now, why would his bed need to be made of iron if he was just a normal man that wanted to live in a big bed? Exactly. He was wide, too, because it talked about it being like six cubits wide or six feet wide. I think the breadth of it, four cubits, which is about six feet. You know, so you think about that one. I mean, that's that's big. Okay, so I just wanted to do that to prove that. And he wasn't even the biggest of them. No. Um, but he was one of the kings. Og was one of the kings that the children of Israel had to fight against going into the um, the world, the land of Israel. And if you look at um, the kings, the Bible spoke of 31 kings, two kings they fought in the wilderness, 31 kings in the promised land, okay, or going into the promised land. That number is 33 kings. You want to know why in Freemasonry they talk about the 33rd degree? You want to know why they talk about all this stuff? You're going to find that these giants are responsible for all the elite um, uh, religions in the world. You know, so, um, yeah, let's just keep going because I know we don't have a whole bunch of time. Let's go to Joshua 12. Yeah. Actually, guys, I want to make this point real quick before I forget, just to prove what I just said. Let's go to Numbers 13, uh, 21. No Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> Numbers, uh, I'm sorry, which one? Uh, 1321. 
Ahiman, uh, Sharai, uh, Shashai, and uh, Tamar, uh, the children of Anak were. And Hebron was built seven years uh, before Zohan in Egypt. Now remember the name Ahiman, because right now we're going into First uh, Kings 11. <laughs> yeah, Ahiman, Pokemon, it's true, right? I found out my name is Hebrew. I remember my mom said it when I was a kid, but I didn't believe it until I looked up what the word the way means. If you look up the word the way means in the Hebrew, I'll actually show you from my phone. But if you look it up in the Hebrew, it's actually spelled the exact same way, Derek. I kid you not, you know, I didn't even know that. Uh, let's see. First Kings 11, uh, 23. <laughs> yeah, my dad was upset. He wanted me to be called Walter James Hallett III, you know, and my mom said, no, <laughs> something is telling me to name him Derek. Uh, 23. Yeah. Uh, and God stirred him up, another adversary, Razon, remember that name, the son of um, Eliada, which fled from the Lord, uh, headed, headed desert. I probably butchered that one, <laughs> king of Zaban. Okay, so um, what I wanted to show, remember the name Ahiman, and remember the name Razon right here. When I found out this truth, I ordered a book, and I was hoping that it would get here in time. It was supposed to be shipped from Amazon on the 3rd. It actually came today on the 1st. And um, this is a book for Freemasonry and their, um, the way that they do things in their religion, how they get young men groomed and into their world. If you look at the title of this book, it says, Ahiman, Rezan, uh, or a help to a brother, showing the excellency of secrecy. So Ahiman... And Rezon are the gods, okay, those giants of these people that run the earth. This is showing it right here. I mean, everybody can look at it. If you don't believe me, you can pass it around. Because I'm not going to read from it. I'll probably burn it afterwards. But the thing is, is, you know, I wanted everybody to see that because I was teaching it. But that's a book, a beginner's book for getting Freemasons into that realm. Okay, this is who they worship, the giants. Who do the giants point them back to? The fallen angels. This is why we have all these false uh, religions in the world. This is where all this stuff comes from. When they talk about secret knowledge, they don't have any secret knowledge. They have the knowledge of the giants. They have the knowledge that the book of Enoch spoke about that man was taught. Root cutting, how to do all these spells, how to do all these things, how to build, how to do all that. Remember, the Bible, I mean, the, the book of Enoch spoke about it. You know, so I'm not saying that, like I said, this is not scripture to me. This means nothing. But if they talked about Enoch is supposed to have a testimony and they talk about the fact that Enoch was supposed to be, um, you know, he's supposed to have a testimony and he said something and this correlates with Genesis, with the Bible, then I'm okay with that. The second I find something here that doesn't go with the Bible, there's a problem because the question still remains, where did giants come from? Where did man learn witchcraft? Does anybody know? You think it was just somebody in a cave that came up with some ideas? That's supernatural. Man is himself is natural. 
Where do these things come from? I mean, if anyone here can answer that, I'll be more, or they even have a theory about it, I'll be more than happy to, to uh, you know, listen to it. But as far as I understand, these were knowledges taught by beings that weren't even supposed to be in our realm. They were supposed to be watchers. There's another funny thing about watchers, too, guys. Um, there was one guy from the government, the U.S. government, said that the patterns of the satellites that go around the world, they are following the same course taught to them by the watchers, the original fallen angels. Now they have digital watchers. This is where they learn to make their course around the earth in certain areas so that they could spot things. This is where they learned about going around the earth is from the, the, those angels, that secret knowledge and, and what the world was like. You know, now whether it's true or not, I don't know, but it makes sense to me. If they were just only supposed to be watchers and they left their first estate, now if they're watchers, what are they watching? You know, they're obviously watching us. They can report back to the Lord when we do something. That's not something uncommon. God sent his messages to man all the time to deliver messages. You know, they, they even talked about in um, Genesis when Jacob was talking about the angels ascending and descending on a ladder, which you know is supposed to be symbolic for Christ, but it spoke about them. If you believe that every word that you say at the end of time is going to be judged, you have to give an account for everything you said and did. Who do you think is clocking this? Who do you think is watching every little thing you do? You know, and, and this is something where, you know, I just feel like people can believe what they want. But, you know, the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost will lead us into all truth. And I believe that this is what the Lord has shown me and taught me because I had so many questions concerning his word. You know, and I'm, like I said, this is not scripture. But the, the book of Jasher and Jubilees, they were books of history. The book of Enoch, Enoch had an account. That was supposed to be a fragment from the book of Noah. I don't know, but it matches up with scripture. Go ahead. Well, I mean, you know, angels have to be real and not just some figure that we see because it says in you know Hebrews we entertain angels unaware. That's right. You know, and it's like how do we entertain them if, you know, to entertain somebody they have to be like in front of you. That's right. You know, and I mean, to me, it all comes together. Let's go to Joshua 12. I know this is way over people's heads, but <laughs> everybody's looking at me like, man, I don't know what to think of this guy right now, but. Well, it's in here. It's not like you're making it up. Right. Exactly. It's being pointed out in a way that, you know, nobody ever pointed out. Right. Like, which, which church teaches about numbers? And, like, and mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, let's go through the whole book. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Twelve. At the, at the end of the day, I mean, if they're still teaching you that you know Jesus is the one that is their ultimate savior, then at least they hit that note. Mm hmm Because right. a lot of. Possibility. Yeah. This is where. And I tell you what, you know, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. That's what it's right. Yeah, I know, right? Mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. What is, you know, the miracles? What is all that? And, you know, we really have to ask ourselves, if we have that book, you know, there that talks about, you know, there were two giants that were both against the children of Israel that are in this Bible, and the Freemasons follow a book and name it after these two individuals. Think about the fact that Freemasonry is responsible for I don't know how many religions claiming to be Christ today. You know, look at the Jehovah Witness. Look at the Mormons. They all come out of Freemasonry. Joseph Smith, 33rd degree Freemason. Charles Taze Russell, Jehovah Witness, 33rd degree Freemason. You know, and there's more Christian science movement. Mary Baker Eddy, she was a part of the Eastern Star, which was a part of Freemasonry. So you have all these groups that, are, that have put this stuff up. And then you got to ask yourself, who are they really worshiping? The giants were more influential than we will ever realize. You know, I mean, these guys were something. All right, let's go to, all right, well, Joshua 12, verse 1. Now, these are the kings of the land, which are the children of Israel smote. I mean, which the children of Israel smote and possessed their land on the other side of Jordan toward the rising of the sun from the river Arnon unto Mount Hermon and all the plain on the east. Shehan, king of the Amorites, who dwelt in Heshbon and ruled from Oraher, or Oroher, um, which is upon the bank of the river Arnon and from the middle of the river and from half Gilead, uh, even unto the river of Jabbok, unto, I mean, which is the border of the children of Ammon. And from the plain to the sea, uh, to uh, Chinaroth, uh on the east, and unto uh, the sea of the plain, even the salt sea on the east, and way of uh, Beth Jashimoth. I think that's it. Probably butchered that one too. <laughs> and from the south, under um, Ashdarpet God. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and the coast of Og, um, king of Bashan, which was the remnant of the giants uh, that dwelt in Ashtaroth um, and at uh, Edri. Now, remember, Ashtaroth is none other than Isis, which is none other than Semiramis, the mother of Nimrod, none other than Venus, none other than Diana to the Greeks, the Easter. This is who um, Ashtaroth is. They named a whole town after her, these giants. So when you go into these false religions and these false holidays, look at who's worshiping. Look at who the, the influence is coming from and turning you into. You guys don't believe it. Look up Astaroth, but that's what it means. Astaroth is none other than Semiramis, Diana, all these people that promote Easter. Okay, that, that character Easter. Even Mary in the Catholic Church. When they show Mary with that baby Jesus, that's not Jesus or Mary. That's... Um, that's Semiramis and Nimrod, or, uh, you know, um, Isis and Tammuz, you know, but that's the, that's the false uh, version of the, um, of the image, you know. So this is where a lot of people try and put together that, oh, okay, so Jesus is just a knockoff of all these other religions. No, he's not. You know, there wasn't one born of a virgin like people claim. Go into the history of all these people. They weren't born by a virgin. Isis was none other than a fertility goddess. Or Easter, you know, and they claim that they got into some shower of rain with some, what was it, a shower of gold with some Zeus or somebody that produced a child. You know, but it said nothing about a virgin birth. So 
when people try and say the Bible is a knockoff from the, the preceding, things that preceded it, for one, it's a lie. Two, even if these did come first, you don't think Satan understood in Genesis 3.15 when he said, when, when, Jesus, when the Lord said to him, I will put enmity between your seed and her seed, and you shall bruise thy heel and I will bruise thy head. You don't see now to us, that just seems like mm, future prophecy. Okay, they're going to fight. Let me tell you something. In the spirit world, Satan himself was already thinking Calvary. How do we know this? Because he was already waiting for the child to be born to kill him. You understand? So Satan understood what that meant. Their wisdom, when he said, um, you know, I will put um, enmity between my seed and yours, or the woman's seed and yours, Satan was already thinking Calvary. He understood what that meant. We would have been like, wait, so what does that mean? Like, so when is the fight going to take place? Like, what's, what's going to happen here? But you see, with their wisdom, and how you know this, from that moment, Satan tried to offset prophecy. He tried to turn everybody in the days of Noah against the Lord. He tried to get those angels to mix up everybody's generation except Noah's. Remember, Noah was the one that was perfect in all his generations, and he found grace and favor. It didn't mean Noah was a perfect man. It meant that Noah's generations were not tampered with. And we know this is true because the seed of the Messiah came through Shem. So the seed of the Messiah had to be pure. He couldn't have Nephilim blood. You know, so that's the, that's the reason why when you look at this, you know, um, he tried to offset prophecy where Lord had to send the flood. Then he had to send Christ. Then he tried to tempt the children of Israel. The Lord, you know, Satan already had the giants waiting in Jerusalem or in the land of Canaan before the Israelites came. You don't think that was a, a chess game? You don't think he said, okay, I know they got to make their way back to the promise because I heard the Lord tell Abraham, I'll just put the giants in there and see if they're brave enough to come in. So he always tried to offset prophecy. So, you know, of course he's going to have these knockoffs like Semiramis and Diana and all these others because he understood what prophecy that the Lord was speaking about concerning Christ coming into the earth to redeem man. So, of course, Satan would set things up ahead of time. He's just trying to rig the game. Exactly, and trying to get others to be more unbelievers. What I don't think he realizes is it's a game he can't rig. But he wants more or less to believe. He'll try. That's yeah. right. Let's he go down. He wants a lot of... Um, I was going to go to Amos 2.9 to also show the height of the giants. Guys, I have so much information here. I think I better get to what's um, most important. So let's go to Genesis 36. But these giants, there's no way to get around them in prophecy. They were there, and you know what? They're still here. They may not be some of the heights that they had back then, but there are people walking around with their blood to this day that call themselves, well, we'll just get into it. But we'll That's why talk. I was asking about the athletes earlier. What do you mean? Like their height? Yeah. Well, I don't think that they have anything to do with that. I think genetics and the sports that those guys played made them stretch out like that. You know, because according to um, Steve Quayle, he talked about these giants that fought against uh, the Romans. There's documented proof of these giants going against the Romans, which is where we get the term, cut them down to size. This is what the Romans said 
in their language when they, were, when they fought them. The Romans beat one particular group of giants, but they lost to the German giants. I can't remember their names, but you guys can look this stuff up. So these giants existed. Even Maximinius, who was considered um, a Roman emperor, was known to be himself a giant, 15 feet tall. His wife's ring, I mean, his wife's bracelet could fit on his thumb. This guy ate like, um, what was it? Like six, he drank six gallons of wine a day and like 60, 70 pounds of meat. This was the Roman emperor, Maximinius. He was known to be a giant. So, you know, wherever you see these giants, they're always ruling the roost. Like some people thought Goliath was just like some guy where they said, oh, all right, let's put Goliath on him. No, Goliath spoke to Saul and David, and he said, if I lose, my men will serve you. So Goliath wasn't just a henchman. He was running the show. You know, these giants were everywhere. All right, Genesis 36. Now these are the generations of Esau, who was Edom. Esau took his wives of the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon the Hittite, and Ahalabamah, the daughter of Anah, the daughter of Zibion, the Hivite. Hivites and Hittites run closely with Horites. Okay, so it's clear here, the Lord told Esau, who is the twin brother of Jacob, and the, um, actually um, Isaac and Rebekah told Jake, um, Esau, do not marry the Canaanite women, because they understood what was in their blood. When some people hear of um, the Lord talking about, and some um, in the Old Testament, kill every man, woman, and child. Now, some people would say, how could your Lord be that evil? He was speaking about Nephilim tribes. He was speaking about tribes that didn't have his blood, that they weren't human to what we can consider human. Because he, right. Right. And I have scriptures here that shows that the Lord said, told the children of Israel to destroy them, because if they didn't, that they would become thorns in their side. And they are to this day. I mean, you know, they're still around. Okay, so the Lord told Esau, I mean, um, uh, Isaac and Rebekah told Esau not to marry into the Canaanite families, okay, because he knew what was there. But what did Esau do? He married <laughs> the Canaanite um, Adah, okay, the daughters of Canaan, Adah, the daughter of Elon. So you got the Hittite here and you have the Hivite, both of the families of Canaan. And Bathshemoth, um, Ishmael's daughter, uh, sister of Nahab, Nahab, I mean Nabahoth. Okay, so you have here, um, Ishmael, remember, was against Isaac, okay, because Ishmael wasn't the, the child of the promise. Remember the whole thing with um, Abraham, um, Sarah couldn't bear a child, mm -hmm. so um, Sarah told um, Abraham to, to go with his, his servant maid, mm -hmm. um, what's her name, Hagar. Okay, this is where the Egyptians come from. I mean, not the Egyptians, the, um, the Arabs. You know, this is where the Arab people, that's where Ishmael's seed is. That's the Arab bloodline. Right, right. That's the Arab bloodline. So here you have the Arab bloodline, which is not of the promise, and you have Esau, someone who was also not of the promise because Jacob was. Remember, when we read that prophecy, the eldest shall serve the younger so Esau wasn't the child of the promise, Jacob was. So now you have two families joined together that hate the children of Israel. Okay? Esau had an issue with Jacob, even though they made up. 
but you'll find out later that the bloodlines just couldn't go. They felt like we should have, you know, and if you talk to a lot of Muslims, what do they say? Forget Isaac. Ishmael is a son of Abraham. And they're right. But he's not the son of the promise. And this is why they have such a hard time with this word. Because Ishmael is from Abraham. A lot of nations are from Abraham. But he's not the child of the promise. You know, and you look at um, Esau, you know, Jacob was. Okay, so you got two families that were outcast that decided to band together, but they're also mixed with the Canaanites. Okay, um, verse 4. And Adar bare to Esau Eliphaz, and Bashamah bare, bare Ruel. And Ahalabamah bare Jewesh, and Jalem, and Korim. These are the sons of Esau, which were born unto him in the land of Canaan. And Esau took his wives and sons and his daughters and all the persons of his house and his cattle and all his uh, beast and all his substance, which he had got in the land of Canaan and went into the country from the face of his brother Jacob. And their riches were more than that. They might dwell together in the land wherein uh, they were strangers could not bear them because of their cattle. Uh, thus dwelt Esau in Mount Seir. Esau is Edom. You'll find out about Mount Seir. I don't know if we read over it already, but the Amorites and Horites lived in Mount Seir. Verse 9. And these are the generations of Esau, the father of the Edomites in Mount Seir. These are the names of Esau's sons. Eliphaz, the son of Adah. Now, you know, Adah is a daughter of a Horite. Okay, um, and the wife of Esau, Ruel, the son of Bashemath, the son of Esau. Now, I know this sounds like Chinese, but we'll keep going. And the sons of Eliphaz were Teman, Omar, Zapho, Gatim, and Kenaz. And Timnah was concubine to Eliphaz, Esau's son. And she bare unto Esphaz, I mean, and, and to Eliphaz Amalek. These were the sons of Adah, Esau's wife. Now, you guys remember in Numbers 13, 33, they spoke of Amalek, which was the Amalekites. Remember, he's the father. Amalek is the father of the Amalekites that were known to be 36 feet tall. Well, they were as tall as grasshoppers. We know they were grasshoppers in their sights. So Amalek came out of the seed of, um, of Esau, which also came out of the seed of these, um, the, uh, Canaanites, okay. I know, right? Just eat it and spit out the bones. Exactly. But when you look at this, you, you're seeing Nephilim seed mixed in with men. Okay, so um, I think I'm at verse 13. Yeah. 13, okay. And these are the sons of Ruel, Nahath, and Zerah, Shammah, and uh, Mizah. These were the sons of Bashamath, Esau's wife. And these were the sons of Ahalabamath, the daughter of Anath, the daughter of Zibion, Esau's wife. And she bare to Esau, Jewish. Now, you guys remember the Jebusites, okay, and uh, Jalam and Korah. These were dukes of the sons of Esau, the sons of Eliphaz, the firstborn son of Esau. Duke Teman, Duke Omar, Duke Zepho, Duke Kenaz. I have a question to everybody here. Who are the people today that call themselves dukes within the world? The British, the Germans, 
You know, you think of all these high-level um, royal families. They themselves call themselves blue bloods. They themselves believe, in, hey, and I ain't making it up. You guys go into, I'll send this email to everybody about the Windsor-Bush bloodline. Goes all the way back to Philip of Macedonia and then comes all the way forward to the Bushes and, and them being related to the royal families. So the 13 families that so-called have this Illuminati thing set up, you know, 13 powerful families, Rockefeller, Rothschild, they're all linked in with the blood of what they call gods. This is why they think they're better than people. This is why they have no cares for this world. This is why they hate Jesus. Because, I mean, some of them have come to the Lord, so I know it can be done. Many of them have been saved, they become informants, and that's been good for us. When you look at this, these people are talking dukes, and these are the only people in the Bible that they refer to as dukes, that they were wealthy. Okay, so we'll go... Uh, that's right. And there were more than that. Duke Cora, Duke Gatum, Duke Amalek. Now, um, I may strike people wrong. If anybody wants to know who Amalek is today, this may cause some people not to come back. But um, I'm actually going to tell you, it's been linked that Amalek is none other than the Jewish people today. Okay? The people that are Jewish, that are in the land claiming to be Jews, come from the seed of Amalek, all right? And, and they are also, like a lot of the Romans that came from there are from the seed of Amalek. Now, I know this is a hard reality, but you guys do your research on who these people are. Uh, let's just finish uh, 20 and 21. I just want to get through to this. Verse 20 and 21? Yeah. Uh, these are the sons of Seir, the Horite. Now, Horite means cave dweller. We covered that. Horims were as tall as the other giants, okay, who inhabited the land Lotan and Shabal and Zibion and Anah and Deshaun and Ezer and Deshaun. These are the dukes of the Horites, the children of Seir in the land of Edom. And the children of Lotan were Horai and Heman, and Lotan's sister was Timna. So when you look there, he had it on both sides of his family. One, he had the Canaanites, but then he also had the Horites. So these people, and if you notice, they don't do like the Bible. If you look up Jewish tradition, you guys think I'm kidding? They go on the side of their mother. They go on the bloodline side of their mothers is how they determine who they are. Not from the father's side like the Bible says. Okay, so they knew by, you know, um, what's her name, Timna, who was a Horite, this is where the Nephilim side was really there. There was a little on the father's, but on the mother's side was totally, that. that's where the Nephilim bloodline is. And look up the Jewish families. They go through the mother's side. Barack Obama related to these people on his mother's side. You guys think I'm kidding. I know this is a lot to cover, you know. <laughs> I know it's way over people's heads, but and one thing you got to understand about the Jewish people today, too, is they're Romans. Okay, they're not Jews, they're Romans. They were known during the Carzarian Empire, you guys know about this, during the Carzarian Empire, which lasted from 800 AD to, um, I think it's 1100 AD, they were in the Caucasus Mountains, okay, um, and they were, it was known as Carzaria. You look up the word Khazar, it means Caesar. The, when, the, when the empire fell apart, they, they migrated 
and went into other people. They were mixed with Mongo, Russians, and Nordic. They were mixed in. And I'm not saying everybody Russian is this, and I'm not saying that. But there's a particular people in this earth that the reason why the Caesars thought they were important, the reason why Philip and Alexander the Great said, I am a son of Zeus. You guys don't remember that? Alexander was supposed to be a son of Zeus. When you talk about how the Caesars all thought they were gods, how you have these people today thinking that they're gods, these people come from the bloodlines of the Nephilim that are from the Bible. I know that's a hard reality, but these people, um, now you would say, okay, well, they're not, if they're not Jewish, then what are they? But they were Romans that spread into all over the earth. You guys look into Zionism and everything else, they've spread into the Germans, they've spread into Great Britain, they're in the Americas, they're all over the place. You don't believe me? Look up a guy named Arthur Kosler, and I'm sorry I didn't bring that book. Arthur Kosler wrote a book called The Thirteenth Tribe. Arthur Kosler was Jewish, and he looked it up because he wanted to get back to his roots. And he said, you know, the more he looked, he realized his people were not from the land. Now, remember, there are people that are called Ashkenazi Jews. Has anyone here ever heard that term? Ashkenazi Jews, that's what they say most of the Jewish people are in the land. They're Ashkenazi. Did we not just read in uh, Genesis 10, we went into Japheth's bloodline? There was someone there named Ashkenaz. Mm -hmm. So they were not from the seed of Shem. Some of them are like from the seed of Abraham because of the fact that they, um, you know, they were of the bloodline of Esau. But the children of the promise are from Jacob's seed. They're not from Esau's seed. So they can point back to, um, to uh, uh, no, they can point back to Abraham, but the separation wasn't made with Abraham. The Bible says Abraham was the father of many nations. But when you get down to Esau and Jacob, if you guys study those things I gave you, there's a big separation in where they go. Two different people altogether. And how you know that, that Jacob and Esau were not of the same, you know, they weren't the same people because when Rebecca was complaining about her stomach in Genesis 27 or, or 26 about why is she having these birth pains, the Lord told her, two nations are in thy womb. Two nations. He didn't say the same nation. He said two different nations are in thy womb and they were fighting. Like I said, I don't want to really get into that, but there were two nations in thy womb and they were fighting. And, and to this day, they still hate one another. The fighting is still going on, and it's still intense. You know, um, those people, um, the Bible makes clear that the children of Israel would discontinue from their heritage. The Bible makes clear that they would not know who they were. Do you remember which scriptures exactly? That they would discontinue from their heritage. Going to, no, that, not that one, but let's go to Psalm 83 real quick. Kazaria, yeah. They actually converted to Judaism in the uh, ninth century. That's right. Uh, which just completely voids out any uh, Hebrew blood. Exactly, and that's where you get the um, that's where you get the t the term Jewish. You see, because there was no such thing as Jewish in this Bible. If you were a Jew, you were of the seed of the tribe of Judah. So that's why they called them Jews. 
they were known as Israelites. Jewish is kind of like a Jew, but not really a Jew. You know, it's kind of like a, a converted Jew. But the Khazarian Empire between, were well, between the Black and Caspian Sea. You know, you guys can look that up. And why don't we? Why didn't we learn about that in school? How come no one ever mentioned Khazaria if you can mention Rome? And you know who the Khazarians were called? This is no lie, guys. Look this up for yourselves. The Serpent People. That's why if you look at a lot of things that they have today, you know, there's always some wiser serpents or something. You know, like that don't tread on me symbol. You know, there's a serpent there. If you look at the Kedusha symbol in the medical world, there's two serpents. You know, there's always a serpent. The, the, the rod of Hermes, there's a serpent. That these people went into every area. Psalm 83. Okay, everybody there? All right, keep not thy silence, O God. Hold not thy peace. And be not still, O God. For lo, thine enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up thy, thy head. They have taken, now they're talking about people of this world. They have taken crafty counsel against God's people, thy people, and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. So this Bible here in Psalm 83 is talking about a conspiracy of all the nations of the world to cut Israel off from being a nation. So it's making clear that the Bible makes clear in other verses that the real children of Israel would not know that they were the children of Israel. They would be discontinued from their heritage. Yeah. So I got a question, man. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, when, I, I don't, was it Jesus who said this or was it in Revelation? I can't remember which. What, what is it? The part where basically until the end of the time, until the end times can come, it can't happen until Israel has its own nation again. Right. Is that why they did that? So yes. So like, if we can yes. eradicate them, then the prophecy can never come to Absolutely. Fruition. That is absolutely right. And one of the reasons why they pulled that 1948 ordeal was because they wanted the world to believe it, because they wanted to offset prophecy. They wanted to offset prophecy. And these people, the, the Talmud, the Babylonian Talmud is their most holy book. It is not the Bible. Most of those people can't stand Christ. They hate Jesus Christ. They're waiting for their Messiah. They can't stand him. You know, so um, the real Jews at the end of time or the real Israelites wouldn't know that they were. The Lord is going to bring those people back into the land. And he's going to show them who they were. But it's not going to be the people saying, oh, you're anti-Semitic. I'm Jewish. You know, watch what you're saying. I'm Jewish. You know, it's not going to be that. And they're supposed to be a lowly poor people in the earth, as you read in Amos and other books, not rich people, not people that own a lot. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, believe that. Go ahead. Sorry, make your point. Yeah, that's just one of the things I just kind of point out. You know that uh, the people that call themselves Jewish are not really necessarily. 
And Jesus said, I know the blasphemy of them that say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, was he talking about them in particular? Well, it was somewhere around the area of Pergamos where they said it. You know, the Khazarian Empire was just below that, you know, where Satan's seat is. And those people were, the Khazarians were mixed with Mongol, Russian, and Nordic. That's why when you look at some of the people that are Jewish descent, they kind of look like they could be Italian, but then they look like they're, you know, um, Caucasian. But then they kind of look like, man, they got heavy hair, like Turkish blood. And they even speak with a, and by the way, their language is not really Hebrew, it's Yiddish which is a form of German slash Hebrew. This is what they speak. Okay, so where would the German come in if they were the children of Israel? You know, so, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's a... Is it Khazarian? Yeah, K-H-A-Z-A... Z-A, I mean, Z-I-N. How long did that empire even last? 300 years. Matter of fact, I'll even try and pull it up if someone wants to say something... No, 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 it's cool. I was just curious, that's all. But there's a, um, there's a video called the Causarian Conspiracy where you got Americans talking about this stuff. It's a two-hour video. But they'll tell you everything that they plot, planned and schemed. Now, this is not a thing against Jewish people. Let me make that clear, okay? I'm not preaching hate. I'm not trying to get people to turn against people. Right. But the people that are claiming that they are, they are not, you know? So that's the thing. That was also a plot because most of the people that they were killing were not Jewish people. They were Khazars like themselves. So they were Khazars killing Khazars. And there wasn't six million of them killed either. That was the other thing that they told that was a lie. It wasn't even that many of them there. Yeah. That's it right there, right between the Black and Caspian Sea. Go ahead, I'm over listening. In, uh, over in the, uh, I think it's over in Nepal, uh, they found some mummies up in the very highest points of the yeah. yeah, in the Himalayas. Yeah, they're way up there. And these people that they found were very well preserved. They're called the, the mummies of Yurantsi or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, believe it or not, the Mormons actually teach, um, I think it was somebody before Joseph Smith, that he went to um, the Americas. This was around the 13th, around Christopher Columbus time, actually. Um, and he went there and said that he saw Native Americans with Hebrew writings in their burial grounds, and they spoke Hebrew, that they were of one of the tribes of Israel. Hmm. You know, now, hey, if that's true, I don't know. But they said that they were from the tribe of Gad, the Native Americans, that they that they spoke the original Hebrew. I kid you not, that they were one of, remember, there were 10 tribes that, there were 12 tribes. But remember, nine left and three stayed. By the time you got to around Christ's time, there was only Benjamin, Levi, and, um, and uh, Judah. Those were the three that were left. The other tribes had already scattered. Okay, so um, 
there's there's stuff in the Apocrypha that actually mentions that, but there's a reason why the Apocrypha is not in the Bible either. I know this is a lot of information, guys, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of stuff that they don't want people to know. But the people claiming to be, they're not. And there were people that were murdered for bringing forth this information, you know. Um, but now they don't really care because it's all over the place. But they will still tell you, oh, you're anti-Semitic, you know, and, and say whatever. But the thing is, is like, okay, if we continue here, um, it actually talks about all the families that were in it, in, involved in this. We'll start at verse 6. Remember, they've taken crafty counsel against them. Let's start at verse 5. Uh, for they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom, you know, that's Esau's family. The Ishmaelites, the, the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarenes, uh, Gebel and Ammon um, and Amalek and the Philistines and um, the inhabitants of Tyre, which is Tyrus. You know, and then you go further down, there's the Midianites, there's Kazan, there's all the other uh, the groups that were involved in this conspiracy to keep the children of Israel from being who they are. You know, and I mean, this is Psalm 83 written by David was saying that this thing went into play. And I began to question a lot of things and there's a lot of stuff I discovered. I don't know if it's true or not, but I'm not going to get into it in this study. You know, that's not the it's not important who all these things are, but the people that are claiming to be, they're not. Long story short, the giants themselves, you know, their influence still plays out today. There are people that think that they're better than everyone else. There are people that call themselves blue bloods. They believe that they are the bloodline of gods. This is information, that, not that I've done, that others are called for where you can link their bloodline going all the way up to the bushes, and it goes beyond. Every, every president except for Martin Van Buren is related, okay? Every single one of them, from the house of Plantagenet and from the house of Windsor and from the house of the Howland family. You guys look it up. They're all related, okay? We do not elect our presidents. They are, you know, the same way the Caesars were called up, the same way you had Philip of Macedonia, the same way you had Alexander the Great, and you got all these people, King Herod, who was not an Israelite, by the way. King Herod was not of the children of Israel. He was a Roman because his father was Antipas the Idumean, which was an Edomite, which was in control. Remember, the Romans ran over the children of Israel. Herod converted like what later happened with the Khazarians, but Herod himself was not an Israelite. This was Rome ruling over the children of Israel. And I even have the, the information for that too. But like I said, the goal is what I wanted to bring forth today was the giants, their influence, what the Bible says, if Jesus says what it was like in the days of Noah, how these bloodlines are followed in the Bible, you know, showing who these people are today. You know, and, and everything that the Bible said there would be. You know, um, go to, I mean, I know we're just about done. I wanted to go one more place real quick. Sorry, guys. Isaiah um, fourteen twenty nine, and we can close out from there. I know it's a lot of meat. Guys, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah, fourteen twenty nine, Isaiah. Everybody there? Almost. All right. 
Okay, it says... That's cool. You there? Yep. All right. It says, Rejoice not thou, whole Palestina, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. For out of the serpent's roots shall come forth a cockatrice. And, you know, a cockatrice is like a viper um, or a poisonous snake. Um, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent. Why this is important, I can't go further into it, but it talks about the serpent's roots. Out of his roots, out of his seed, will, be, will come a fiery flying serpent, will come forth, forth a cockatrice. The people that are setting up this plan and um, the New World Order, which the Bible speaks about in Revelation 13, Babylon the Great, when it spoke about, remember, the seven heads and the ten horns of this dragon. The ten horns were what? Ten kings. Remember, there are ten kings that are going to be under the Antichrist. You know, this is talking about out of the serpent's root shall come a fiery flying serpent. What was it like? And a serpent is like a spectacular kind of dragon. That's what, the, that's what this explains when you go into the uh, concordance. So, you know, there are going to be a people that are going to be a part of this agenda that are out of the serpent's roots that are going to form this new world order, that are going to form this Revelation 13, the beast, the last beast that they couldn't recognize. Seven heads, ten horns, you know, upon his horns, ten crowns, which means that they had finally achieved what they wanted to do. Okay, so I was just saying that to, you know, show the, the serpent does have a seed in this world. When Jesus said, well, I, I believe it was Jesus that said that, you know, when he said that um, uh, that he will put enmity between his the woman's seed and the serpent's seed, this is what he was talking about. And you know what? From that point on up until now, here we are believing in Christ, trying to go forward with the Lord, get stronger in him. And then you got a people that don't believe in God, that believes that Satan is their master, and they're trying to suppress and destroy all of us. This is the fight that is still going on today that, that, that was spoken of in times past. So, you know, I only brought this forth, like I said, to expose who the giants are, who the bloodlines are in the world, the things that they're doing. This is why, you know, you'll find a lot of them that don't believe in Christ, they still have some Bible knowledge. You know, if you haven't noticed, some of these people know prophecy very, very well. You know, you read books like Morals and Dogma and things like this. They copy a lot of their stuff from the Bible. What are the coincidences of finding Ahimon and Rezon, two giants, against the children of Israel? And this is who these people worship. You guys think about that. This isn't a, an idea. These people understand this book, but they choose to be on the other side because they've been convinced by their master that the other side is going to win. You know, these are deceived people. And I think that many of them can be saved, but I think a lot of them don't want to be. They feel like they're right where they're supposed to be. So hopefully I didn't scare the heck out of everybody, you know, here. And, uh, you know, um, if anyone has any questions, please come forward with them. Yeah. I was just going to say, you know, one of the reasons I believe why the Bible says to study ourselves approved is because you got a lot of religions out there who believe in the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. And we, as Christians, like we were talking about tonight, we should be too, but on the right side of it, not on the wrong side of it. But if you don't believe in the spiritual realm, you can't 
you know, and you got false religions that are believing in the spiritual realm, how do you combat that? You can't because you don't have the Holy Ghost in you to combat that. And a lot of churches these days who have already been sold out, you know, they won't teach the spiritual realm, period. They're not going to go into that because they know what will happen if they do. Absolutely. And, I, you know, that's why I brought this forth, because I know to a lot of people, these names didn't mean anything in the Bible. They didn't mean a thing. I used to be just like that, reading, oh, I'm skipping over this. This stuff is boring. You know, these names and all. But, you know, in the, this whole book is inspired by the Lord. You think about, then that means every little word in here is important. Every little thing in here was something that the Lord meant, us to, he meant for us to know and to pick up. Not just the great stories that we like to read, but all of it, you know. So hopefully because you guys know who these tribes are, who some of these people are, that it'll shed more light in the Old Testament. You know, we don't have time to go into it now, but it shows in First Kings 9, you compare that with Genesis 10, you'll find out that the giants themselves made the, uh, Solomon's temple. And the Lord told Solomon, the only reason I'm putting my name on this, on this temple is because you are following like your father David did. But the moment that the father pulls his day, I mean, or Solomon stopped following, that the Lord would pull his name off of it. And he did. Solomon fell away. The Lord did. And what was it? It was destroyed by Babylon. So, you know, these are things that, um, you know, the Lord was telling him. But Solomon would have the um, giants bring 666 talents of silver, I mean, of gold. You know, to help build the temple, I think every day, 666. So, you know, Solomon fell on the wrong side of things. You guys look at numbers. But like I said, I'm throwing a lot over everybody's head. We won't have to talk about this again, hopefully, you know, so everybody can digest it. You know, we're going to something else. But if there's any questions, please, you know, I'd rather you guys, you know, ask here if there's things that you don't get other than to call me a heretic when I leave. Like, this guy's crazy. You know, so anything what, at all. That's what the other side wants you to think. Well, yeah, anybody bring it. Truth is evil in a wicked society. Mm-hmm. When a society is wicked, the truth is not to be heard. People don't want to hear it. You are crazy because I want to live in this false paradigm that I call reality. Yep. You know, so. All right. Nothing to say. No questions. Everybody going to sleep good tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I guess we'll pray out. Good, Sarah. Heavenly Father God, I want to come to you tonight, and I want to thank you for another opportunity that we had to come and study your word. Lord, to learn about your truth, to know that you are the word, so your word is truth. You are the rhema, and you gave us the logos. Lord, I know that this information that was given tonight, it was a lot of information, and, you know, tonight some... In here, I hope everyone in here tonight, myself included, we all digest this information. We take it home and we research it for ourselves. If there is any questions tonight, Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding, that you would give us revelation so we can see the truth, so we just do not turn a blind eye and keep going in our ways. Lord, we have to understand that to order to follow you fully, it has to be even unto death. We have to understand that if we believe in you, we have got to be filled with your Holy Spirit. We've got to know that we have eventually going to have to be able to do the the faith, the gifts of faith, to open blind eyes, to heal deaf ears, Lord, 
I pray that you would give that to us so we can walk fully in your ways, that we just do not passively walk in this spiritual life. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand the spiritual warfare that we must fight and that we must believe in the spiritual realm. Lord, I pray that you would give us all understanding about what this world is trying to do. This world does not love you, and it does not love believers in you. It hates you. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that understanding that we must be strong in the face of adversity, in the face of persecution, in the face of trials and tribulation. We have got to stand strong because if they hated you, if they hate us, they hated you first. And it's going to come down to a day when we're going to have to stand strong and true, filled with your Holy Spirit. We cannot deny the word of God. We cannot deny you because it says if, if we deny you before men that you will deny us before the Father. But there's so much truth in that because you created the world. You created all of us. The enemy, the adversity, Satan has tried to destroy you from the very beginning. But Lord, if we take your holy word that is right in front of us, the true holy word, and we study it, we digest it, we look at it, we take it for what it says, then we will understand what is really going on, that this is not some pacifist walk. This is, that is not, this is not live your best life now. This is about taking your truth and letting it reign within us, even in the face of persecution. We have got to stand. Lord, even if we lose friends, even if we lose family members, you are our family. Your word says that. Lord, I thank you for all the things that you have done for us. I thank you for this ministry. Lord, I pray that we would stand strong. I pray that we would stand true. I pray that everyone here, Lord, if it be your will, that they would come back next week to receive more truth. Lord, I thank you that everyone who came here tonight, Lord, I pray that we all receive your truth, that we would all receive your understanding. I pray that you would give us all safety of travel tonight, that you would bring us back. I pray that, Lord, we also not just sit idly by, but help us, Lord, to take this word to others, that eventually this ministry would grow, that we would get out there, Lord, that we would teach and preach and bring others in so they can hear your word. Lord, this is about bringing lost souls to you. Thank you, Lord. I pray that you would watch over us in this evening. I pray that you would guide us and direct us, Lord. Lead us into your truth. Show us what you would have us to study so we can eventually teach, teach in this ministry. Lord, I pray that you would just fill us with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for all the things that you've done for us. Holy Father, I thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, one thing about the meat, it's rough stuff. You know, and it's a lot of it is really hard to believe, but... Mm -hmm. That's why I encourage people. I'm a man. I can lead you into error. Don't believe a word that I said tonight. Research it yourself and see if I'm lying to you. That's what I encourage people to do. I never want people to just take what I say and believe it. Because I gave my biggest supporters when they go and try and prove me wrong, and then they find the truth, and then they start believing me. Now, the more they try and disprove it, then they start believing more. I mean, it's not easy to, to bring this stuff up because, you know, it's controversial. It's stuff that, you know, it's, it's tough to swallow. But, yeah, you know, it's in the word. And, I mean, it's just, hey, you know, it's just like uh, what, uh, what's his name, John had to do. The angel told him, eat the whole roll. You know, it's going to be sweet going down and it's going to be bitter in your belly, digesting it. You know, the salvation, the good news, and then there's the sanctification you got to be cleaned out, you know. So I encourage everybody, don't just believe what I say. 
I'm challenging everybody to prove me wrong. Just prove me wrong. Prove that I'm crazy. Look this up yourselves. That's the only way that people will come to the truth. You know, a lot of this stuff I didn't even want to hear. But if you really ask yourself how some of these people are being supported, you notice every um, church in the world, especially the big ones, they're just giving and giving and giving to these people. You got Benny Hinn, all these guys, you know, Joe Osteen, giving large sums of money to these people. Like, you know, they're, they're helping out and everything. And, I mean, you know, you got this country, you know, just giving, giving, giving. The Bible says that they wouldn't even know who they were. So these people are reaping the benefits when really someone else should be in that seat. Whoever they are, I have no idea. But the thing is, is I know it's not the people that are there. You know, so it's just one of those things. But I encourage everyone to look up a, a thing called the Causarian Conspiracy. It's about two hours long, but it's detailed information. And these people are, are just talking about what's going on in all their books, the things that they believe in their Talmud, that we can take advantage of people if they don't know any better. That's one of their commandments. You know, we can do these things. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.